Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. Today, we're continuing our Canada Day 150th anniversary series called I Am Truly Canadian, and we'll be continuing with an interview about a nation, part two, with Michael Haken. Let's join Michael and Dr. John now. Hi, it's Dr. John Newfeld here with Back to the Bible Canada. I want to welcome you here to this very special one-week celebration of Canada Day, 150 years as a nation. And we have been in a dialogue with Dr. Michael Haken. Uh, Dr. Haken is really a leader in terms of understanding the spiritual foundations of this country and also the spiritual development of this country. And so, Dr. Michael Haken, it's a joy to have you here for our second day. Welcome to Back to the Bible Canada. Yep, it's great to be with you again. Yes, thank you. And uh, today, we are. I want to pick up some of the things that we dealt with in our last program. Uh, and Michael, we, we started to talk about what changed from Canada being a nation in which uh, somewhere around 90% would have counted themselves as Christian to a change. I mean, the first change that you said happened at the end of the First World War where we hadn't told people about evil and about what conversion entails, but there was a second major event that happened to de-Christianize this nation, and it happened in the 1960s and 70s. Talk to us about that. Yeah, we uh, yesterday we looked at you know a number of factors the uh, the whole area of uh, the impact of the First World War the rise of liberal theology uh, the way in which our the church became a vehicle for culture rather than the church shaping culture uh, in the 1960s 1970s there was a uh, a significant movement of protest against the regnant culture that had emerged after the end of the Second World War in the 1940s, 1950s. And um, some of that had to do with legitimate concerns about authenticity, issues of transparency, uh, questions regarding uh, the political and military aims, especially of our neighbor to the South, America, in Vietnam. And there also began to be a hunger for transcendence. But instead of turning to the gospel, but by the 40s and 50s, there was still significant church going, but there, was a, there had been a hollowing out of what the gospel meant. And some of that had to do with liberal theology, some of it had to do with a buying into the culture. So instead of when men and women, young men and women in the 60s and 70s, began to sense a hunger for transcendence, instead of listing to their parents in their parents' churches, but they, they saw their parents' churches as part of the problem, not part of the answer. Yeah, and I know that uh, you and I grew up in that era. I remember some, a number of factors that seemed significant to me. Uh, Pierre Burton had come out with a book entitled The Comfortable Pew, yep. and it seemed to indicate that a great many people in Canada were in church because it was a great place to do business. You had business contacts, and it was a place yep. to rise to success. And he was really calling the church out on that. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of that was antithetical to the mindset of young people in the 60s and 70s who wanted, who wanted a world that was free from the sort of, um, from their point of view, the military aggression uh, of the West, the problems that we're be- we were beginning to recognize in things like the environment, uh, racism. And the church, the church had been silent on these issues. It, it had lost to... to great degree, it's prophetic witness. And so 
when you when you have a hunger for transcendence and you don't turn to the Western tradition, which has a very obviously the Christian faith being central there, it's not. And you, the other alternative is the East, and so Zen Buddhism, Taoism, Transcendental Meditation, some sort of kind of pop Hinduism became popular, and Buddhism. And not surprisingly, then you have uh, uh, young people. They're just not going. They're not going into the churches. Right now, but the laws of our nation are beginning to change as well. I mean, uh, Pierre Trudeau, the first Trudeau, uh, began to say things like uh, the state has no business in the bedrooms of the nation, and the sexual politics of the uh, 60s and 70s were also making uh, severe inroads into the church. And it seems to me that the church was not ready for those things. No, I mean the church. The church had embraced a a model of uh, respectability, and the one of the. I mean, the the young people in, in obviously part of their their hunger was a hunger for transcendence, but also uh, it expressed itself in a rejection of of the norms of their parents. And one of the norms of their parents was monogamous heterosexual marriage. And uh, it, what could the church have done different? As you think about those days and 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 what a what a blow that was to the church, could the church have handled that any differently, or was it just simply a global phenomenon because we weren't the only country going through this? We weren't the only country. I mean, some of it was certainly global. I think we could have. I think we could have handled it better. Um, I think there could have been more uh, receptivity to younger people's concerns. Instead of making an emphasis on things like hair length, you know, clothing issues, the the externals became the focus, and a lot of younger people just didn't feel accepted in churches. I mean, thank God for you know things like the Jesus People movement, in which you saw significant numbers of young people converted. Um, at the same time, all this was going on. I think there was God was at work yeah. uh, in conversion. Uh, I'm not sure when you were converted. I mean, I was. That was my context, 1974. But I think the church could have been more receptive in terms of being more welcoming. Again, one of the one of the one of the elements of the sort of social respectability of Christianity, cultural Christianity in the 1950s, had been various legal, various legalistic, moralistic norms, and the the emphasis on on conversion, right. at least among the more mainline denominations uh, was not there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there were certainly enough. And then it, it seems to me that to be, I mean, one of the geniuses of Canadian evangelicalism has been a concern for the poor and the disenfranchised, right. which was lost in the 20th century. Now, this is also interesting, but let's see if we can now kind of fast forward to the present as we think about, you know, Canada as we celebrate 150 years as a nation. Uh, the church is now in a very different place. I think we have, you know, we've gone from 90% of Canadians uh, being in church to the majority of Canadians probably knowing almost nothing about the gospel. Uh, as a pastor, uh, Michael, I remember a number of years ago having a conversation with a young man he was Caucasian, had grown up in this nation, and was hearing that Easter had Christian themes, something he never knew in his entire life. So we've gone, you know, we've come a long way. So from your vantage point, how should the church respond in the day in which we live today? Well, I think I'm a historian, and I think uh, critical is we need to remember 
uh, the past. And so there needs to be a, a re-education. Most, most people have taken at least one course of Canadian history in, in high school, maybe more in university. Invariably, they probably, probably will not have come across the significant Christian story that has been part of the, the glue that has bound this nation together. That needs to be told. And uh, in some ways, I think the situation we find ourselves in today is, 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 is helpful. It's much more helpful in some ways than the 1950s, because we now, the people who are in church, evangelical churches, are there because they love the gospel yeah. and they love the Lord. And uh, we find ourselves in a position of minority. We're dissenters. We're nonconformists. And uh, we don't have access to political power, as we used to have. And I think in many respects, that, 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 that's good. It, it, one of the dangers of political power is the, the corrupting influence it has. Yeah, we certainly saw that in French Canada when the Duplessis government, I mean, eventually yep. when the Trudeau government decided to cut the cord between the church and the state in Quebec, I mean, the church in Quebec, the Catholic church in Quebec, was, was hollowed out in a matter of weeks. Uh, most people don't know the story of the, the, the Quiet Revolution, but it, it was devastating for the Catholic Church. Yeah, and, and uh, in some ways, the, the same sort of thing has happened to Protestant churches in Canada uh, over a much longer period of time. But it means that we can, we can actually, uh, we don't have to apologize for some of our beliefs. Uh, we're in a position of nonconformity. We don't. There, is, there are core values at the heart of the Christian faith that we can't. We cannot compromise. Yeah, let's come back to that, and uh, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Michael Haken. We teach the Bible. That is the very core purpose of Back to the Bible Canada and the bedrock of all we do in ministry, including Truth and Life Today, In Doubt, Laugh Again, and Back to the Bible Kids. Dr. Newfeld wrote, We teach the Bible carefully, reverently, believingly, and with an urgent appeal to the listener. The Bible can do what all other personal efforts cannot. The Bible reaches the lost, calls back the wandering, heals the hurting, offers hope and strengthens the believer to stand firm in the faith. The Bible leading to the gospel is the only message we have to this and every generation. Would you support this mission? You may know that last month we had a successful match campaign, so successful that the same group who provided the original match has provided an additional $70,000 to be matched in the month of July, dollar for dollar. So your gift of 100 or any gift is matched up to $70,000. Another great opportunity to invest in Bible teaching. Call us with your gift today at 1-800-663-2425 or join us online at backtothebible.ca. Back again with Dr. Michael Haken, and it's such a joy, uh, Michael, to spend some time with you. Uh, we've had a, a relationship, I think, for a number of years now, mm -hmm. and I've and I've enjoyed every encounter I've ever had with you. And what a delight to be interviewing you! But uh, let's see if we can talk about uh, something that you had begun to mention: the the task of the church today. We find ourselves in a very different place, but you, interestingly enough, said that we might be in a better place than we were then. Can you can you? Ex Expand on that just a bit for us. Well, yeah, as I said, I, I think we're, we're we no longer have the ties to power, which 
gave us a majority voice, enabled us to shape a culture. But there are dangers in that. And the dangers are that you buy into cultural values uh, that aren't necessarily at the, at the heart of the gospel. Uh, and in fact, some of them are contradictory to the gospel. Well, now that's a very interesting statement because in a sense, as I, I track our conversation in these two days, uh, you've said that you know, the church, when it was predominantly a, a reflection of a nation, we were buying into the culture then, and our danger is that we buy into the culture now in a different way. But the danger still remains that we buy into the culture. Is that one of the, the greatest dangers for the church? Yeah, I think it is. I, I think it's—we've always, you know, probably the way that I was raised is similar to you in, in terms of the, the story of, of the gospel in the West in the 20th century— which is the most devastating issue that we've had to face is liberal theology. That's certainly a major problem, but those churches that went liberal were once evangelical, and before they went liberal, they bought into cultural values so that the transition to liberalism was easier because they had already compromised themselves. That's such an interesting statement, that because it seems to me that when you say that, that the greatest difficulty that the church has faced has not been from without, because many of us have been raised to think that, you know, the great danger has been the, the new sexual ethic, and, and surely it is a danger, or, or issues like that. But you're, I think, saying that the, the greatest danger that we faced from was from within. Yeah, yeah, a loss of, I mean, the gospel is a radical commitment. I mean, as Bonhoeffer said, and I don't always endorse everything of Bonhoeffer, but about when, when Christ calls a man, he calls him to die. And uh, our culture is a very much a culture of fulfillment and self-fulfillment. And I think subtly we've bought into some of that. But let's talk a little bit about liberal theology. What is it, because for those of our listeners that don't understand this matter well, help us to understand what are the tenets of liberal theology that so decimated the Church? Well, liberalism is a, is a difficult thing to pin down because it really takes a very um, loosey-goosey view regarding uh, doctrine. But essentially, liberalism argues that, and this is, in one sense, this is a good thing, the Church must be relevant to our age, which is true. But the liberal would then go further and say, there are various doctrines that the age doesn't believe, we need to retool them. And so the idea that the Lord Jesus Christ is fully God, well, it just doesn't make sense to the natural man, the 20th century man. We've got to retool that. Uh, the early 21st century man who believes in electricity and knows the power of electricity, well, you just can't believe in the resurrection. So we have to retool that. And so the process, uh, liberalism retooled the core of Christianity. And uh, by the mid to late 20th century, what people were hearing in church was basically an echo of their culture. The culture always does it better than the church in some respects. So why go to church? If all I'm hearing is my culture and cultural values, why go to church? And I think this is, this to some degree, is what was happening in the 1960s. The church had become a vehicle of culture instead of a witness over against culture and a rebuker of culture and a shaper of culture. The church itself was simply part of the culture. And uh, it was, it was, it's been devastating for the church in that respect. Yes. But we're now at a position where, you know, we, we believe in monogamous heterosexual marriage, that that's what God has designed. We don't have to make any uh, apologies for that. And uh, the, the, in the 1950s, in the 1960s, there crept into the Church 
uh, what was beginning a part of our culture, monogamous heterosexual marriage, but a divorce culture as well. And we tolerated that to some degree. Yeah, we, we, st- we still have, I think. And other, we had already, in other words, the, the, the collapse of the biblical understanding of marriage in our culture had already been heralded to some degree within the church that was weak on divorce and remarriage. And I'm not, I'm not saying there is no justification for divorce and remarriage. I'm just saying it, it had become so weak in churches that the concept of marriage had already been hollowed out. That's just one area. Sure, and there there are a number of areas like that. Now, it does seem to me you began to, by talking about the significance of both Presbyterians and Methodists, and those of us who know Canadian history know that there came a point in time when uh, Methodists and Presbyterians decided to to come together in what was called the United Church of Canada, and, and the United Church of Canada was seen at that point in time as the kind of the alternative to to Catholic Canada, and so this was the the Protestant. Alternative, although the Protestant alternative was entirely liberal by that time. Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at the United Church's statement of faith in 1925, it's evangelical. But a turning point came in the 60s when the denominational leadership, and especially the seminaries, turned away from evangelical Christianity. Particularly in Ontario, where, if you, you know, I've driven probably most of southern Ontario. you know, up to, say, you know, a line, say, around um, uh, North Bay and everything south of that. I- I've been through most of that area, and um, every little town has a United Church. The collapse witness of the United Church in Ontario, particularly, has been a disaster. Yeah, it has been. So what we have seen is really the collapse, not of the believing church. We've seen the collapse of the liberal church in Canada which tells me, again, that if the Church is relevantly speaking to some of the issues that we talked about um, and as, is at the same time you know, overt in the proclamation of the gospel calling men and women to be saved, that's not a gospel that is without effect. Uh, you know, we shouldn't be thinking of the Christian Church as collapsing, but rather what we've seen is the collapse of the liberal Church. Am I right when I say it that way? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, and I think in another way, what you've, what you've had is a purification of the Church. I think we have a number of things to learn uh, in the process. Uh, but I think God intends the Church to, be, to have a prophetic witness to its culture, and not to be so identified with its culture that to, you know, to young people in the 1960s who had problems with the culture, they automatically had problems with the Church. Right. So, Michael, let's just, if I can, just cut in here a moment because we, we're a little short on time, and I, I want to make sure that we deal with something. We started in this conversation yesterday by talking about a Canada in which 90% would have counted themselves as Christian. We come today, and I don't know what those numbers exactly are, and I suppose they're not really that important, but when you think about the church in Canada today, Gospel of Jesus, are you hopeful? Are you, are you depressed most of the time? Or, or are you filled with faith? How do you think about that? Well, uh, by nature, I'm an optimist, and so that's going to weigh into this. I, I think I'm fairly hopeful. Um, I see some very, very encouraging things. There's things that I find depressing. I think our, our, our understanding and support of theological education is depressing to some degree. On the other hand, I see very, very encouraging things, you know, things like the Gospel Coalition, yeah. uh, the growth of the Gospel in Quebec. You know, Quebec is now the most secularized province in Canada, and yet the last 60 years since the Quiet Revolution, there has been a slow but quiet uh, establishment of Gospel churches. It's tremendous. 
what's been happening. And so, yes, I'm, I'm encouraged. Um, and I, I think one of the challenges going forward is, is owning a Canadian evangelicalism, that our understanding of the gospel, the way we express it culturally, is different from our brothers and sisters of the south of us. Well, I think that's a little lead-in for me to say that we are actually back to the Bible Canada, so we're trying to make sure that we are presenting a gospel to this nation. Uh, Dr. Michael Haken, it's been a joy to be with you these last two days and to talk about the gospel in Canada. And I know that, that it is your desire and mine as well that we would continue to see the gospel go forward with great power in this nation and that we would see many men and women come to faith in Christ. Thank you so much for your help and your insight that you've given us in these last few days. Thank you. John, another intriguing conversation, and uh, thank you so much for having that with Michael. A couple of things I I just wanted to ask you about. The first one would be, you know, the world might look at the liberal church as being the progressive church, and yet we know it's in serious decline as opposed to the evangelical church, the biblical church, which continues to grow. Yeah, I think the lesson for everyone today is the, the lesson that whenever we give up on biblical positions or on biblicism or a high view of Scripture or the necessity of the cross and the salvation that is in Jesus, whenever we give up on those truths, we are sealing the church's death warrant. We never do well when we attempt to be progressive. We do extremely well when we return to gospel central issues. That, that's the lesson. Another thought I had was you were talking about hope, and I was just the, the thought came to my mind: How can we not be hopeful? Isn't this God's plan? Well, yes, and and I, I loved his answer, and I and I and I want to trade on that and say yes, there are all sorts of reasons to be hopeful. I mean, first of all, because we have the promises of God that that He will build His church, and that the gates of hell will not prevail. And so we have to believe that even though there's resistance to the gospel in this nation, it's going to go forward. But the other is simply practically looking around. I mean, he mentions the amount of gospel churches being, being planted now in the province of Quebec. I am so grateful for that because it seems like only a generation ago, that was almost an impossible phenomenon. I mean, the same is also being repeated in other places. So I think the message is, let's make sure that the church is the church. Let's continue to teach what God has called us to teach from the word. And let's be hopeful that God will honor his word and he will protect his church. That's the good news. What a great challenge and what a great encouragement. Thank you so much for your interview today, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. Now is the time to register for Back to the Bible Canada's Celebration Caribbean Cruise this February 2018. Nine days upon Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas, enjoying all that an incredible cruise ship has to offer, and do so while being encouraged and inspired by the Bible teaching of Dr. John Newfeld, laughter and encouragement by Laugh Again's Phil Calloway, and wonderful music and worship with guests Shane and Angela Weed. Bring friends, bring family for this great vacation experience. And make sure to register soon to avoid disappointment. Back to the Bible Canada's Celebration Cruise, February 2018. For more information or to register, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. And remember that all of our ministry vacation events or tours are funded exclusively by the participants and no ministry resources are used for this purpose.